This is the big pond. Uh, Zion Church helped us to feel at home here. Uh, so many people did so many good things for us. And uh, that tied us to the church. Zion to us has been um, a safe heaven. That's 92-year-old Margarita Kramer, who arrived at Zion Lutheran Church of the city of Baltimore as an immigrant from Germany with her husband and children after World War II. Edelweiss, Edelweiss, jeden morning to Christmas, sehe ich dich, About 200 years before she arrived, German immigrants, just like her, founded Zion Church in 1755. It's endured as an epicenter of community and worship throughout its 263-year history and has remained a place of refuge for immigrants and others who have come upon hard times. Located at the corner of Lexington and Gay Streets in Baltimore's city center, the historic brick church, bell tower, and parish house are home to more than two dozen stained glass windows, exquisite wood carvings, a German-style community hall, and a newly restored 2,500 pipe organ. Added to the National Register of Historic Places in 2011, the church grounds also include a garden, which regularly performs as a beer garden, and a small graveyard where a few notable German-Americans and pastors have been laid to rest. To this day, Zion holds services in both German and in English, and within its walls, you're just as likely to hear a rousing polka band as you are sacred organ music. But as is the case for many religious institutions, Zion congregants are struggling to define the church's role for the future. Currently at its helm are pastors Eric and Anka Deibler. Zion is an old congregation by American standards. It is over 250 years old. And so tradition matters a lot to the people here. They're very proud of the German tradition as well as their Lutheran tradition. Even though it's so steeped in tradition, it is also a reconciling in Christ congregation, which means that it is open and welcoming and affirming to members of the LGBTQA community. It's a congregation that has really been through a lot, um, and and not always it's not always been easy for them uh, maintaining the German language, especially during two world wars, um, where Germany obviously was was an enemy of the country, and so there was a lot of a lot of suspicion and a lot of prejudice uh, against Lutheran congregations in general, but especially those that continue to worship in the German language. To their credit, they didn't even have English language worship services here until 1954. And I think that stick-to-itiveness 
which is maybe a nicer term than stubbornness. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that sense of loyalty uh, is, is something that is still here. This dictum of tenacity or loyalty, whichever way, or faithfulness, being a church, I think that's a good word too, um, also comes from the fact that a lot of the people here are immigrants. A lot of our older pillars now have been through the Second World War, have been refugees, have gone through some really hard times. And so going through hard times is something that they know how to do. One of those congregants who has seen Zion Church through some hard times is Bernard Penner. Now, at age 64, he maintains the church archive, gives historic tours, and regularly participates in German and English services, among lots of other volunteering. Bernie, as fellow congregants refer to him, literally grew up at the church. He lived on the premises while his father was pastor from 1963 until 1984. He's dedicated to Zion and all that it stands for, but he holds a realistic view of its strengths and its weaknesses. There are enough Lutheran churches around, and in a way Zion's location downtown is a detriment. So if you didn't have the German language, I think you would have even less to know people there at all. So... For Zion, the German language is essential. We even have in our constitution that the pastor has to be fluent in both languages. Um, But if we were to abandon German, I think Zion probably, there's, the market is sufficiently thin now that I think Zion as, as a congregation, as a living congregation, would probably cease to exist. The building has its significance, um, and I think the building is remarkably beautiful. There's, there is something special about that space and all of that that sort of keeps us there. It was just sort of your run-of-the-mill thing. I think the congregation would have moved out a long time ago. Now the question of how long we'll hold on, that is, that is yet to be decided. As long as we have people who are willing to put in the love and time to make it go, it'll, it'll go, but we'll see. We'll see. When it comes to looking for people to put in the love and the time, look no further than Zion's annual sour beef and dumplings dinner that happens each October. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm, no, no, well, I'm saying... For more than 80 years, a small army of volunteers descends into the basement kitchen to work for weeks in advance. The task... The preparation of hundreds of pounds of sour beef, about 4,000 plump, tender dumplings, and gallons of gravy. The woman leading the charge this year, and for the past five years, is Leslie Trageser. So get your coat off, let's get going. All right. (laughs) Somehow we're running out of aprons. There's actually eight steps to the meat itself. Eight steps. We buy the meat. We trim the meat. We marinate the meat we cook oh and then i have to rotate the meat halfway through the marinating process 
we have to rotate the meat because sometimes it's not marinated all the way through. Then we brown the meat, then we cook the meat, then we slice the meat, and then we cube the meat. And how much meat are we talking about? We are talking about 500 pounds. Of beef. Of beef. Yes. I will let you get to work. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You know, every year the meat might be a little different, so it comes out a little different, so we're always trying to make it better for the next year. And you learn, you learn every year. And hundreds of people come here, so I think Thousands. you're doing something. Thousands. Oh, wow. We serve between 1,000 and 1,400 meals in two days. Well, you must be doing something right. <laughs> a lot of things, right? Well, they, they keep coming back, so we're very happy, and we're very proud of what we do here. I mean, it's really, we have a lot of wonderful people, and it's a team effort all the way, and I couldn't ask for a better group of people. It's really and wonderful. Yeah. In a small room adjacent to the kitchen, the Zion Dumpling Brigade is busy perfecting thousands of the plump orbs, each about the size of a pool ball. One batch requires 10 eggs and plenty of muscle to beat them in and form the dough. Then it takes on an assembly line-like process. And then we take the balls, insert one crouton, and then form as perfectly a ball as we can. Because if it has smileys, like that's a, call that a smiley, a crack, it will open up in the boiling water and it'll break and then nobody wants to eat it. So you have to take time to um, make it as smooth as possible. And that's it. And then they sit and dry a little bit. And then the wonderful ladies in the kitchen pop them into the boiling water. And in two minutes, they're done. And then you come and eat. And then they're doused in that gravy. Oh, that's the best. The gravy is the best. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take that one too. So see that one? Okay. This, this, you know, this, when they cook it, this here might come apart. Well, see, you do that before you put the flour on it. You get it all smooth and stuff. Yeah, before you put the flour Dozens of volunteers show up this year from as far as North Carolina and Wisconsin to help make the sour beef event a success. We've doing that now for three years. And have you been a part of the Zion community for longer than that? Or? Nay, I've been a guest because we are Catholics, but I love it here. That's like a family. So I've been here every time, and if they need help, I'm coming and help them. That's great. And your, your dumplings look amazing. Thank you. This is like my 10th year maybe doing it, maybe like seven, between seven and 10 years. Uh, but my mom is the is Leslie Trageser, so she's head of this whole crazy operation. And she's still standing. <laughs> yeah, she's still standing, yes. Yeah, that's great. I mean, not only is it special for me to be with my mom, but I think just the fact that this is such a long tradition, um, from that tradition a community is created and grows. My name is Brigitte, and Americans have a very hard time pronouncing it. And you are uh, you're a member of the Congregation of Zion. In 62, I mean, I'm, a, I'm here, I'm coming here literally since 62 years. How long have you been making dumplings oh, that whole well, time? I, well, yeah, I mean, several decades. And what do you like about being here? I know you come back every year. Well, I mean, liking, that is something different. <laughs> I mean, I'm just doing the work. 
Also, <laughs> it's, it's just the task that needs to be done for you. Yeah, huh? right, right. It needs to be done, exactly. And we, we want, with all the customers we are having, you know, they want to have dumplings. Well, it seems like um, this is, there's a lot of camaraderie in the room. Yes, yeah, because we all know each other for a long time. And if we don't know each other, we know the parents and the grandparents. How would you describe the taste of the, the, the whole sour beef meal to someone who hasn't had it? To tell you the truth, personally, I never liked sour beef because... Because I come from an area in Germany, Eastern Germany, we never made sour beef. I know they're from different areas. Yeah, in my areas, my mother, I didn't know about sour beef till I came to Zion Church. Actually, Zion Church is how a lot of people in Baltimore first hear about sour beef. For two days, the church common areas are transformed, filled with hungry diners as well as the smells and sounds of a real German beer hall. Sour beef night in Zion Lutheran Church is We've never been here before. This is our first time. Wow, there's a lot of people here for their first time. How did you find out about it? I've heard about this event for years and have wanted to come and and I've read about it, and I just finally found somebody who wanted to come with me. Yeah, it's great. And the people watching is really fun. I like all the families with the little kids. And I wore my German shirt that I got in Munich 30 years ago. <laughs> I'm 57, so I've been here 56 times. Literally. Maybe missed one or two years. I volunteer, I was baptized here, and confirmed here, and so we don't miss the sour beef and dumpling. And so you're, you are a member of the congregation? I am officially. Um, now that we live further out in the country, we tend to go to a Lutheran church further up north for my kids and such. But my grandmother and grandfather from both sides were German immigrants that immigrated through this church and worked as indentured slaves in Towson and farms for their boat passage to America. Wow. So you... A lot of heritage here. But it's a great event all the time, and it's growing, and I'm not sure we can accommodate how many people this is growing to. As you can see, the hall is full, and in another half hour downstairs, we'll be full. We are big fans of the Sour Beef Dinner. We have been coming for about 10 years with our family. And are you, are you members of the congregation, too? We're not. We're not. We are simply fans of, well, we're fans of the church. I mean, it's a really lovely community. They're really welcoming every year. Um, it's, it feels like a family when you walk in. So we've, we've felt a part of the church even though we're not. Who did you bring with you here tonight? So I brought my parents. I also brought my husband and my two kids. In 10 years, have you seen any changes? I mean, has the... It's been delightfully the same <laughs> for 10 years. And I think that is, we enjoy that as a family. We enjoy things that are the same and ritual and routine and um, family tradition. So it, it feels very much a part of that. We love the sides in addition to the sour beef and dumplings, the um, purple, the cabbage. I don't know what they would call it. 
um, is fantastic. The sour cabbage. There's also, well, there are always rolls and butter. There's also green beans. Um, and they always, you always get dessert. The star, of course, is the sour beef and dumplings. How would you describe sour beef and dumplings to someone who had not ever tasted them? Sweet and sour. Um, a little bit snappy, like pungent or spicy. Um, probably from like the ginger snaps in there. Um, the ginger snaps are in the gravy. In the gravy, yeah. I love the gravy. I mean, it's it's definitely comfort food, too. It's stick to your ribs, fill you up fast. Have you ever tried to make it? Once. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just said, okay, never mind, just wait till next year. <laughs> we'll just wait. Right. It makes it even more exciting then when it comes around. Right? <laughs> After she tried it, we said, let's make a tradition of coming down here. The sour beef dinner, beer and brats in the garden, the Christmas market, German language classes, those are all some of the things that endear Zion to Greater Baltimore and establish its place in the city. But Christy Vogt Luis, whose connection to the church reaches back to her great-grandfather, also a German immigrant, speaks to other ways Zion has quietly and consistently woven itself into the fabric of the community. Our role in the community here is we try to be a a safe haven, if that makes sense. When our doors are open, you can come in. And if it's just to use the restroom or get warm or whatever, we are here. We hand out lunches every day. We found out about this kid who is 18. Um, He is a graduate from Polytech. He graduated top of his class. So you kind of don't know what happened. You don't want to push too much. But when he told us that he didn't want to stay in the shelter because of things he's seen. It just broke all of our hearts. And everybody's come together. There's been furniture donated. There's been food donated, clothes, a bed. Yes, we're in the middle of the city and times have changed. So you really have to watch. Like we get phone calls all the time. Hey, can I have 20 bucks? I'm broke. And, you know, they're out buying crabs or something like that. But at the end, I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to help people. Grace be to you in peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In many ways, Christy represents the future of the church. She was baptized, confirmed, and married there, and has children who are following in her footsteps. She holds one of those glue positions on staff. She's involved in almost every level of administration, from assistant to the pastors to treasury duties. But the future of Zion is still getting sorted out. Here's Bernie Penner. I think we're at a point where uh, if we can get help maintaining the physical plant, the the buildings and the grounds, uh, because they're old, they're worth saving, uh, but it's expensive. Um, And so if we can get help from the city, from the state, keeping this piece of significant history alive— I think the congregation stuff will will take care of itself. There's enough people who still want German worship. And and I think it's part of Zion's future and the conscious decision they made. We are becoming uh, one, the last authentic place for German heritage in Baltimore. Pastor Anka and Pastor Eric also weigh in on Zion's future. 
when we first got here, um, this congregation had just been through a, a very difficult time with their leadership. Um, the previous pastor had left under less than positive circumstances. And so there was a lot of anxiety. Um, they were not doing very well financially. And, uh, and so there was, there was a great fear that it wasn't going to be too long before they would be closing. Really, the first challenge was addressing that and, and getting them to see past the immediate crisis to have a sense of, yes, we do still have a future here and we can continue to do meaningful work here. And how did that go? It's, you're still here and Zion is still here? We're, yeah, we're still here. It's three and a half years later. Um, things have improved financially, uh, which is nice. Um, and that anxiety, I think, has, because of that has been greatly reduced. And so now we are starting to, to talk more about, okay, so we're here. Why are we here? And what are we called to do in this place, being located where we are at the intersections of literally the city government right across the street and uh, health care for the homeless is just down the street and um, there's the burgeoning community and all of the old office buildings that are directly to the side of us. So, yeah, it's an interesting place to be. And so we are now in the process of determining what our call might be in terms of reaching out to this new kind of neighborhood that is here. And what kind of church do we need to be that, say, millennials or the homeless or the people working in the government offices around us um, will find this a place where their faith can be nurtured and they can find community. And whether or not the German aspect of that is going to be the driving force or not. Yeah, we, we need to learn how to take our German heritage and build on that in a way that might not be exactly German in language, but maybe in character, in history, the values of German culture. This Sunday, we're celebrating Reformation Sunday. We remember Martin Luther reforming the church, and one of Martin Luther's slogans was that the church constantly needs to reform itself to stay relevant. And that's what we're in the process of doing now, to reform ourselves so we remain a relevant voice for God as well as for the German heritage that we can offer the community. Wunderbar together. You've been listening to The Big Pond. A series of dialogues between Germans and Americans, coming to you from PRX and the Goethe Institute.